The following audio is from White River Christian Church. More information about White River is available on the WRCC mobile app or at wrcc.org. Well, good morning. Uh, Who's excited to be back in the building? Yes, good. I'm just excited there's some air conditioning. So uh, I I came off first service and I said, honey, is it hot in here? And she's like, I am shaking. I'm like, okay, it's just me. All right, thanks. Uh, It is good to be back with you in this building. um, And it's good to see you this morning as we start this new series. I thought I'd tell you a little bit about my um, summer. I got to spend a couple weeks ago, uh, two days, uh, an overnight basically, 48 hours with our graduates. Uh, We call this trip grad getaway. And so uh, we take our graduates up to uh, a home of uh, Hannah Goot's parents, and we, we go out on uh, the lake. We go tubing, we go kneeboarding, we go skiing, and it's an absolute blast. The whole purpose of the time is so that we can uh, just spend one last hoorah with them before they head in every direction you could imagine. And uh, so if you've ever wondered what your campus pastor looks like falling off of a tube, enjoy this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I skipped a few times there and uh, on my right side of my head. So, yeah, that was great. Um, It is a whole lot of fun. And thankfully, we have some graduates that could catch that on uh, video. The thing that we couldn't catch on video during that time, uh, as as we sat around a a campfire that night, uh, the fear and the anxiety in these graduates as to the next stage of life. It was fun to sit around and to, to hear where they're at, but the truthful, to be truthful with you, they were, uh, they're pretty scared of the next stage. Like going to college, uh, not knowing who you're going to be rooming with, not knowing uh, the friends that you're going to make, not really knowing what you're going to do uh, in the years to come. Uh, it's one of those things that's a pet peeve of mine as a, as a former student pastor now, uh, is you always ask seniors two questions. Where are you going to go to school and what are you going to do with your life? Those are like two terrible questions to ask. I'm just going to throw that out there this morning, okay? Because there's some of them that have no idea where they're going to go to school. And almost every one of them have no idea what they want to do with it. They're 18, right? Like, they don't have any clue what they want to do with it. I didn't know those two, answer those two questions. I had my gra- graduation open house and people would ask me that and I'd say, well, I don't know where I'm going and I don't know what I want to do. What do you got for me? You know? <laughs> And people would just look at me. They have no idea what to to say. So get ready for that. If you're going to ask those two questions, I've trained our kids. Hey, if they ask you these questions, just tell them, I don't know. And I don't know what I want to do with my life. Uh, See what happens. It's awkward. It's fun. Um, But they express these these fears. It's been a long time since I've been in that that moment of trying to figure out what I was going to do next with my life. But the truth is, as we sat around that fire, I could have expressed my own fear uh, that I've been experiencing in the last few months. As I transitioned, and I can't tell you how excited I am to be your campus pastor, uh, but as I've transitioned into that, there's been a lot of fear around it. Originally, it was the fear of, okay, God, we, we, we knew, man, I knew we were being called to something uh, different, the next step. And, and so that could mean here, that could mean somewhere else. It was the fear of uh, what other people said we should do versus what her and I knew God was calling us to do. Shoot, the fear of walking away from 16 years of doing ministry one way to one specific set of people and moving on to adult ministry. There's a lot that was wrapped up in that for me that was fear. And if I could have just shared with them that night around the campfire how much I understood, but that's why we weren't there. We were there to listen to where they were at. And I wonder sometimes uh, when it comes to fear, where we turn. 
Where do we turn? Because uh, I don't know about you, but this is the way I, Lance functions. Is when, I, when I face fear, I immediately turn to myself. And I think that somehow I'm going to be able to solve this thing that is causing fear for me. I can do more. I can step up and, and fill the gap. I can answer the questions. I can come up with a solution. And so I turn to myself often when, I, when that fear arises. And I, I think as I thought about it this past week, I was trying to figure out where does that come from? I think it comes from, for me, a sense of control. Ultimately, probably from a sense of pride. I, I can control this situation and I can make it what I want it to be and I can solve this whole fear issue in and of myself. I wonder uh, when we face fear. And so I started to think about things that maybe I've heard over the last few months, uh, whether fear comes from, for me, uh, some of that fear came from Leading you guys. I don't know if you work this way, but this is the way I work. Is like when I go to step into something bigger, better, newer, Satan decides to remind me all the things I'm not. All of the reasons why I shouldn't. And so as that fear starts to creep in, Satan starts to tell me, hey, remember you didn't grow up in the church. You can't be a, you can't be a campus pastor. You didn't grow up in the church. Oh, you know what? You don't know the Bible that well. You really can't be a campus pastor. You've got, you got to figure out that Bible thing a little bit better. Walking with Jesus every single day, yeah, you do a decent job of that, but not a good enough to be that. These are things that, that, that pop up into my head uh, whenever I'm going to make some big statement move decision for Jesus. Specifically, in this case, becoming a campus pastor. Man, you can't do that. That fear comes in for caring for a congregation and feeling worthy to do so. Maybe the fear comes for you at the next stage of life after high school and what is going to be next in your life. Maybe that fear comes from what others will think when they find out you lost your job and you're currently unemployed and can't find a job. Or that fear comes from taking the next step of marriage in your relationship, or that fear comes from the diagnosis you thought you would never, ever have to experience or walk through, or maybe that fear comes from trying to have a child again after having a miscarriage. Those are all real fears. Those are things that you and I face every single day. You could probably list your own right now if I asked you to. I won't. The real question is, is where do you turn when you face your fears? I placed it in a question like this. Is my confidence in my salvation or myself? We titled this series, it's personal, because we're going to be looking at Psalms, and I think in the Psalms we see the most clear way in which our relationship with God is personal. I don't know if you've ever read the Psalms before, specifically the ones David wrote, but man, there's some things in there that I read, and I'm like, I'm not sure you're allowed to say that to God, right? Like, you're still living. How did that work? You know, like, I figured he would have taken you out by now. But see, sometimes we think that the God's this distant person who doesn't really want or care or want to deal with our personal issues and needs. And yet what we're trying to remind you through this is that, no, 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 our God is personal. Our God knows you. Our God knows not only the fears that you have, but those things that Satan tries to whisper into your ear whenever you're going to make a step towards him. He knows those things. And so we're called to know him the same way. We're called uh, to be that personal back towards him. 
Every time I stand up here during this series, I'm going to put our bottom line in first person because I want you walking out of here saying it to yourself on behalf of yourself to God. And so our bottom line today is my confidence is found in my salvation, not myself. My confidence is found in my salvation, not myself. We're going to unpack that in a second. Uh, But if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get those out, the journals we just gave you. Uh, We, as a staff, went through and stuffed your reading plan right there in Psalm 27 so that you're in the right place right when you open it. Uh, We would love for you to join us in this. This is just a daily reading. It's one psalm every day, except for Psalm 119. We split that in four sections for you. That would have been a long one. Um, If you do this before the new year, you'll have read through the Psalms. But we would love for you to use this. I want you to know that this is the ESV, English Standard Version. Okay, we're going to teach out of this uh, for the duration of this series. But don't worry, we're returning to the NLT after that. So don't throw away your NLT Bibles. We're not changing what Bible we teach from. We gave you this, and we're going to teach from it because it's an ESV. We want you journaling in it. We want you to open with us to be able to take notes. And this morning, we're going to start in Psalm 27. So hopefully you're already there with us because we bookmarked it for you. Uh, Here we go. Before I read this, I want you to notice, pay attention to, there's a change in the middle of this passage. See if you can pick up on it, okay? Psalm 27, verse 1. Of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, I will be confident. One thing I've asked of the Lord and I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in in his shelter. In the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make a melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your ways, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. As we read that, I want to make three observations this morning because I think they'll help us understand this idea that our salvation, our confidence is in our salvation. For David, this was true. And we're going to see that as we look through this. But he declares right off the bat, the Lord, okay, three things. First, David declares, the Lord is my salvation. Now let's remember when this is being written, David you and I, when we hear the word salvation, where do we go to? We, our minds immediately go to Jesus, the one who secured salvation for us. But for David, this is years before Jesus has been born, let alone died on a cross. 
And so when David says, Lord is my salvation, what specifically is he talking about? Well, I don't know if you remember David's story or not, uh, but at one point in David's life, as a young boy, he stood before Goliath. Now, I don't know how that all went down, and sometimes I read in between the lines in Scripture because it's the way my mind works. But like, as David walks out there with a sling and three stones, like I imagine him getting close enough to Goliath to be like, all right, it's on, let's do this. And then be like, in his mind, wow, you're a lot bigger than you were way back there, you know? Like, like, I don't know, that's not scriptural. It doesn't say that, but like in my mind, he had to be thinking that, right? Like, all right, here we go. You know, like this is completely up to you, Lord. But here's what I do know. The reason he said it's nothing but a Goliath, it's nothing but a man out there and the Lord will take care of him is because why? Because he says, I've already been delivered. I've already had salvation, right? The Hebrew word for salvation is delivered. I've already been delivered from lions and bears while tending to the sheep of my father. I've already done that. So this big buffoon is not going to be anything for me because God will deliver me from this. He steps out there and what happens? God delivers him. Now, we don't really know when Psalm 27 is written. It's sometime in uh, the, the, the area and life stage where he was running from people or armies of people. I don't know if you knew that about King David. There were multiple times where his life was threatened by others and he was chased down. And so uh, we imagine if you read with the theologians, they would say that sometime in that time frame. And so he might even already been delivered once and is on the run again. And here he is saying, "What well, the Lord is my salvation. Why? Because he's got a track record. Because he knows that God has done this for him before, that delivered him and God will deliver him again in one way, shape or form or another. And so there's this, this confidence. In fact, um, the passage starts out, and, and the way I put it, and even I wrote it in my notes because, you know, we have a Bible where we can write notes in there. Uh, I put on it before verse one. It's a declaration. <laughs> the Lord is my salvation. And there's one thing I've asked is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Like this is, I mean, you hear the confidence coming from him. The second thing I want you to notice is this, is that that switches real fast. I don't know if you picked up on it, but you have verse one through six where there's this declaration, this confidence in who God is. He's speaking in third person. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord has hidden me in his tent. The Lord did this. And then all of a sudden in verse six, what happens? It says in verse six, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me and I'll offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Verse seven, hear, O Lord, my cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. We just went from third person declaration to first person desperation. And I put it up here like this, because I think this is probably somewhat of how this happened. Declaration, and then there's some kind of internal, external warfare, and now all of a sudden there's desperation. If you read up, there's a few theologians out there that would say these are two psalms mashed together. There's a whole lot more that would say that's not true. I'm with the second camp because I don't know about you, but I'm hoping that this psalm is written in one day. Anybody ever have a day like that? Get up, spend time with the Lord, pray, got your coffee, feel great, going to work. 
The Lord's going to take care of us today. His mercies are new every day. This is awesome. This is the day the Lord's made. And then all of a sudden you get a phone call. It happened for me a few years ago. It was a school. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> uh, Mr. Stockton, we got your son here in the office. Do what? Right? <laughs> we went, almost went to the day of judgment on that one, all right? <laughs> like, like, what's that boy in the office for? I can't tell you that part, but I'm like, oh, he's going to see Jesus tonight. Okay, <laughs> just wait till he gets home. I'll take care of this. Um, I remember from like everything was good until the, to everything wasn't good. Everything was, I, I, you know this. You know this to be true. You've had one of these days. It might be an external thing where you get a phone call. I can remember the phone call that I got. That my aunt was going to be diagnosed with stage four cancer. I remember that phone call. I remember that day. It was a good day until that moment. And all of a sudden, it went from a, a day of declaration to a day of desperation. Some of you know this feeling. You go uh, to see your sweet unborn baby's face again and the ultrasound to check in on them, and all of a sudden, they can't find a heartbeat. Declaration to desperation. Or you know what? You've been... Uh, you've been sober for how many days and you've been doing awesome and you've been doing everything you need to do and then all of a sudden for some reason one day it just happens and you fall right back into that way of life. Declaration of desperation. You see, I fully believe, we're not ever going to know this, this side of heaven, but I fully believe that this was written in one day. That something happened that turned on a dime that made David all of a sudden go from third person declaration to first person desperation, crying out to God and asking him to intervene on his behalf, to meet him where he was, to answer him. So first you see that David declares he is my salvation. Second, you see this shift that takes place. But the third thing I want you to notice is there are a lot of similarities between the first half and the second half, right? And one of those is confidence, but another one of those is his enemies. Enemies, same enemies in the first half as the second half. Right? Uh, same situation in the first half, I think, as, as in the second half. And then you see the same confidence. Verse 4, he says, One thing I've asked of the Lord, and I'll seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Verse 11, Teach me your ways, O Lord, and lead me on a level path before my enemies. There's also the same solution for David. The solution isn't confidence in himself that he can figure this out and solve the problem himself. The confidence is in his salvation and the one who he knows can deliver him. What's his confidence in? That I could return to the house of the Lord, that I could be taught the ways that of you so I could do the right thing in this situation. You see, when fear rises for you and I, our confidence has got to be in the place where we meet Jesus. It's got to be turning to him, spending time sharing with him exactly what's going on in the fear that you have and the situation you're facing. Seeking wisdom through his word. It's why we gave you journals. We want you to seek his wisdom through the Psalms to learn that, hey, you can be raw. I tell our students all the time, God gave you emotions. He can handle them. He can handle them. If you're angry, he can handle that. If you're 
upset, he can handle that. If you don't want to believe it any longer, he can handle that. He gave them to you for a reason. And that's what I think we see in the Psalms. Because at the end of the day, my confidence is in my salvation, not myself. And so I ask that question of you. Is my confidence in my salvation or myself? How would you answer that question? Don't answer that out loud. How would you answer that question? Because see, for you and I, uh, our salvation, when we say my confidence is in my salvation, that means something different than it did for David. Because we know who fulfilled for us our salvation. And it's found in Isaiah 49, 6, it tells us this, that you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. That is what Jesus did for you and I. We know who Isaiah is talking about. You can learn about him right now. You can talk to him right now. It's Jesus, the one who was born of a virgin that came from heaven, that lived a perfect life, fulfilled the Old Testament law and died on a cross, perfect, sinless, innocent, to forgive you and I of our sins so that we might have salvation, deliverance from the punishment of our sin. That's the gospel. That's where our confidence is. It's not in myself. It's not in yourself. Listen, it's up to me to lead this church in and of myself. We'd be doomed. You can laugh at that. That's okay. I, it's true, right? Well, my confidence today is not in myself. My confidence is in passages like Romans 8, 32. Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? If God delivered you from the biggest issue you even had, even if you didn't know it. Listen, if you're here, in here the, this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're thinking, I, I don't really know exactly what he's talking about. Let me tell you something. You've already been delivered from your sin. It's a free gift. It's called grace. And irregardless of whether you accept it today or not, it's there. It's there for you. Always will be, always has been. And it will help you be delivered from the fear. Fear of not being able to lead a congregation. Fear of losing your job and having to walk through that. Fear of the next step of marriage or your future. Fear of the diagnosis that you never thought you'd receive. Or fear of losing a child again. Balance, balance. What if that doesn't happen? Right, I started to think about this. I wrote those words and I started to pray through it. I'm like, if I present this, I'm going to walk out there and I'm going to greet people after service and somebody's going to come up to me and say, but what if I've been praying? What if I have spent time with Jesus? What if I have all the faith in the world and God still hasn't delivered me from whatever's going on? This fear, this situation, this issue. I sat at my desk and I thought, God, you're going to have to answer that one. I don't know how to answer that. And then I wrote this which I fully believe was from the Lord, not me. If he hasn't delivered you from it, he isn't done developing you in it. If he hasn't delivered you from it, he's not done developing you in it. Now listen, I know it's hard to hear this. It's hard to hear that, that how in the world would losing a child be something that God would want to develop me through? How is that even good? Well, listen, we, we all know this. We're affected by sin. We will be to the day that we die. 
let me tell you, God wants to do something with that. You'll hear me say this over and over again. You have a story. And you know what most of our stories come from? Pain. Fear. Things God didn't necessarily solve the way we wanted them to be solved. And yet, if he hasn't delivered you from it, it's probably not developing you in it. This past summer, we went to CIY Move, which is for our high school students, and our students learned something on the second night. It's a little switch in asking a question. The question is this. Why would God allow this to happen to me? Why would God do this to someone I love? And the speaker stood on stage, and I think it's a good tool for you and I as adults as well. We don't need to ask why. We don't ever know that answer. It's not for us to know. The question you and I should be asking is, how? How how does God want to change us through this? How does God want to mold us to become more like Jesus? How does God, how is God going to use this for his glory and for my benefit? Become more like Jesus. I love where this psalm ends because it starts with this declaration and then you hear this first person desperation, but then David returns here in verse 13. Still in first person, but it's more reminiscent of the first half. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I think when David wrote those words, he wasn't delivered. Think about that for a second. When David wrote those words, he was not delivered. He was still in fear for his life. He's just declaring, you know what? My confidence is so bold in my salvation that even in the midst of my fear, I'm going to declare you know what, I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord again. And until then, I'm going to wait, I'm going to be strong, and I'm going to be courageous when it comes to my faith in Jesus. And then I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for him to do something only he can do. So what does having confidence in our salvation look like? It looks like David in Psalm 27. We had a declaration and something took place and he turned to desperation and he said some things that honestly I'd probably be a little hesitant to pray. But we can because David did. It looks like dwelling in the house of the Lord all the days of our life. It looks like asking God to teach us and then putting ourselves in a place where we could be taught. What it looks like is daily meeting with Jesus, talking to him, reading scripture, searching for wisdom, and walking outside with confidence, being strong and courageous, knowing that the Lord is using it for your good. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, be courageous, and wait for the Lord. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you. Thanks for when we say, my salvation, we are referring to you specifically. 
Thanks for delivering us from our sin and the punishment of it. God, I know we still deal with it every single day. We still battle it every single day. But we know at the end who wins. And so I pray that as we walk into this next week, that in a room this size, there's so many fears that are probably weighing on us. And if they're anything like me in this room, then that right after those fears are Satan's little whispers of the things say we can't. Would you help us this week? Sit down with the Psalms and just read them and let them wash over us. Would we just be honest in prayer and say things the way David says them? I need you to hear me, listen to me, answer me, teach me, hide me. And Jesus, would you? Would you do just that? Would you teach us? Would you give us your wisdom? Would you allow us to experience you in a new and a fresh way? So that regardless of whether we're delivered or not, we can walk out knowing that you are our salvation, not ourselves. Jesus, we pray this in your powerful, in your precious, in your most holy name. Amen.